0: town bank mortgage nmls number five one two one three eight is an equal housing lender this podcast is for informational purposes only and now the man born with a five o'clock shadow and with the nmls number twenty twenty eight two zero one. he is a gentleman he is a scholar he is tyler crawley So good. That sounds so good, and it is so good to be back here on Markets and Mortgages. I am the aforementioned Tyler Crawley, the host of this podcast, and I do apologize for my absence from the show, from my you know morning email, all of it, and it was because... I'll be honest, I'm always honest with my audience, um, is that Town Bank Mortgage, who I work for, um, as the show grows in popularity, wanted to make sure that all the I's were dotted, all the T's were crossed, and that we had the proper disclaimers on everything that I am doing. And so, yeah, I mean, I could have done a podcast where I just read the disclaimer, and a lot of people do that, and I don't you know, fault them for doing that, but that's not what I do. That's, that's not what I do. Um, I wanted to have a cool intro, and so I got a buddy of mine, um, Eric Medler, who does voiceover work. And so if you if you're looking for voiceover work, give him a call, <laughs> because he hooked me up. Uh, we worked together on the radio for a long time, and so I was like, "Yo, man, I need a I need an intro," and so he 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 hooked me up, and uh, it sounds awesome. Sounds. Very awesome. I was going to say awesome. (laughs) I am a a big fan of it. It reminds me of our radio. I had a really cool intro when I was on the radio. I can't use it on the podcast because, unfortunately, it would not meet copyright. Uh, That's more than a disclaimer. There would be a lot of money that would need to be spent to be able to get the rights to the song and the little other you know movie clips, and you just can't do it. You can't do it on podcasts, unfortunately, so I do not. But I that's as that's close. I'm pretty happy with it. I'm very happy with it. All right, so hopefully you guys have been doing well. I've been doing well. You know, it's fall weather here in southeastern North Carolina. It was last week, and so I'm, I'm enjoying things. Things are good, but we are going to start with something that actually happened last week because I've been dying to talk about this and it was the of course fed announcement we did did we talk i think we did talk about the 70 yeah we did we talked about the 75 basis point hike but we didn't get into why i think that there's a bigger problem involved i said we are going to get to that and we are now getting to that so it is what i'm calling the fed's housing problem i know i'm very i'm very um original with that one. <laughs> it's like I'm calling it it's a housing problem for the Fed. So I'm going to call it the Fed's housing problem. So let's rewind things a little bit. we go back to the beginning of the summer and Jerome Powell, of course, the chair of the Federal Reserve was asked about the overheated housing market. And he said in a press conference, quote, I would say if you're a home buyer or a young person looking to buy a home, you need a bit of a reset. Now at the time, no one really knew what Powell meant by the reset. However, just three months later, we now have a better idea. So at last Wednesday's press conference, Chairman Powell addressed the housing reset comment and the affordability problem that we are currently facing with housing because we still have high prices and just skyrocketing mortgage rates. He said, last Wednesday, quote, what we need in the longer term is supply and demand to be better aligned. So people can afford houses again. We need to go through a correction to get back to that place. Now here's the problem for the Fed, is that that is easier said than done, like most things in this world. So first, let's let's rewind even further and go back to 2008. So it led up to the 2008 crash, you had a lot of homeowners out there who had these adjustable rate mortgages. And they had had them, but rates were, we were in a falling rate environment, so it wasn't really an issue. But then all of a sudden, rates started rising. And these loans were gonna reset to a level that these people couldn't afford. They had over leveraged themselves. They could barely afford their payments. They thought that payments were gonna keep dropping. Not only were they not dropping, they were going to rise. And then on top of it, you had a situation where people were putting almost no money down, if not no money down, and home prices were falling. So you had home prices falling, you had people with no equity in the homes, so they were underwater, and Rates were adjusting to higher rates. Their payments were going up. They couldn't afford them. They literally had no reason to try and find a way to be able to stay in that home or if they were an investor, find a way to make the payments on that house. They didn't, they're like, all right, I'm walking away. And so, you know, we had people who were trying to do fire sales, they were trying to sell the home, they were just walking away from the home. But there was a lot of inventory all of a sudden hitting the market for those three reasons. Now, obviously, if you you walk away from a home going to foreclosure, that's going to take a little while to get on the market. If you're doing a sale, fire sale, whatever it may be, the house is going to get there a lot quicker. And obviously, you're always going to try and sell it before you foreclose. (laughs) So you had all these homes hitting the market. People were trying to uh, sell their homes and get out from under that situation. So inventory level skyrocketed, which put even more downward pressure on prices, which created, of course, the housing crash. So that was the problem in 2008. Here is the problem in 2022. The overwhelming majority of homeowners are now sitting on fixed rate mortgages that are at levels that potentially we will never see again. I mean, ever. I mean, people that are sitting on a 2.5% mortgage. I've talked to people. You know, my boss, for example, who's been in the business for 37 years, he says rates never should have gotten to two and a half to begin with. So the odds of us ever seeing that again seem almost non-existent. I mean, unless something horrific happens to the economy, which, of course, we have bigger problems to worry about. But the idea that we're ever going to see a two and a half percent mortgage, there's just there's no way. So you have people who refied and, you know, people bought a home or refied, whatever it may be. So they're not sitting on mortgage rates that are significantly lower than where rates are now, which is the exact opposite problem that we had in 2008. 2008, everyone wanted to sell. 2022, nobody wants to sell, no one. Not if you're sitting on that rate. And so what are people doing instead? Because let's say you do have to move for whatever reason, you need a bigger home, you're getting a new job, something's happening in your life, so you do have to move. Normally, you would sell that house, right? But in this instance, people don't. So what they're doing is they are renting. Now, in 2008, homes were rising faster than rents. That was, of course, the famous conclusion reached by Robert Schiller, who wrote in a 2007 paper that rents did not support the elevated value of homes, which is why, in his opinion, the housing market was over. Uh, evaluated or or was, was overpriced and he was one of the few people that was making that argument if that time if you famously remember in 2022 we have a very different situation in this case rents of course were lagging home prices in the beginning they are now catching up and in some cases maybe even eclipsing home prices making it even more attractive to rent your home versus Selling it. So now you're not worried about just making your mortgage payment. You know, you're at a point where, oh no, you know, hopefully I can make enough money in rent. Now you're not, you're going to make plenty enough money, plenty of money, I should say, and you're actually going to make money on top of it. So you're going to profit from doing this very transaction. So once again, even less reason to sell. And we know this is happening. The Wall Street Journal reported on this last week that home sellers across the United States discouraged. By a slowing housing market and are able to capitalize on soaring home rental market, are increasingly opting to hold on to their house and lease them out instead. And so, what that's creating is a situation where even though demand is being depressed, we are not seeing more inventory, and that's the problem. Because Powell made it very clear that he wants supply and demand to re- regain their balance. And we know that for the last 40 years, inventory has been at a low. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and we saw a historical low. So we, it, you know, this has been building over 40 years. And then it was just exacerbated by the pandemic, low rates, skyrocketing demand for homes and things got the worst we've ever seen. And so Powell is trying to create a situation Where we rebalance supply and demand. Because what happened during the pandemic and then after the pandemic with the low rates, we had a huge imbalance. So much demand, no homes. So, what Powell wants to do is bring those things in balance. But here's the problem like I just mentioned, people are not listing their homes, they are renting them. So, while he is pushing down demand, inventory levels aren't rising and then making matters even worse as rates rise builders are being discouraged from building new homes. We're like, we're not going to build. We, we have no, you're, you're pressing down on demand. So why would I start building homes? Home prices are probably going to fall because of rising rates. Demand has been severely depressed. Why would I build under these conditions? Commodity prices are, you know, they've fallen, but they're still higher than normal. I have no incentive to build right now. And a lot of builders are just making that argument. So <laughs> we're not seeing any future homes come to market. And we're not seeing that rebalance take place, which brings us to probably the worst part of this whole situation, the labor market. And this is really the only way, in my opinion, the Fed can fix the housing situation. Because clearly, depressing demand is not working. We are not seeing some big jump. We'll talk about the latest inventory numbers here in a second. We have the numbers from Alto. So our economy, as you all know, runs on credit. Consumers, businesses, everyone, it runs on credit. And so when borrowing costs reach a certain level where it no longer makes sense to borrow that money, you're gonna see a retraction in the economy. Consumers, businesses, they're not gonna invest, consumers aren't gonna buy, it just doesn't make sense to do that anymore. Now as consumption falls off, businesses will need to find ways to cut costs which usually means layoffs. As people lose their jobs, there will be a change in their living situation. All of a sudden, two people currently living alone may need to team up to be able to afford rent. Children might move in with their parents or vice versa. This will ease the demand for rentals, which should decrease rents as rents fall. Servicing the loans for those landlords can get tricky which could encourage them to sell, thereby increasing the housing supply, inventory levels, and maybe getting those things back to balance. Now, this is a nightmare scenario. I mean, because nobody wants to see good, hardworking Americans lose their job, but at the same time, I don't see any other way that they solve this problem. Powell is known for telegraphing his moves. We all know that in the market. And he really did just that last Wednesday when he made this argument, saying, quote, at the press conference, we're never going to say that there are too many people working, but inflation needs to come down. I wish there was a painless way to do that. There isn't. Now, Powell also noted the chance of a soft landing are likely to diminish if policy needs to be more restrictive or for longer. I mean, Powell's basically all but telling us that we need to force people to sell their homes that have these incredibly low rates to provide much-needed supply. And under normal market conditions, it may make you know sense for people just to sell the homes because of what's happening, but these aren't normal market conditions. Things have been drastically changed, and so now we need the labor market to loosen up. And unfortunately, that means people in situations where we you know, we need household formation to slow. And here's, I mean, and, and this is a great example of that. So there was a piece today in Bloomberg that I saw, I can't remember, I think it was, I can't remember who wrote it now, but they were talking about the census and talking about household formation. And household formation increased, I wanna say it was like 1%, I think maybe might've been 2%. But it was the population only increased by 0.1%. So a lot of people tend to think of household formation as being mutually um, inclusive with population growth, and it's not. They're, they're very different. You can have the population growth increase while household formation falls, and household um, formation grow while population growth remains stagnant or even falls. And so they're not necessarily linked. Household formation more has to do with what's happening with the economy. I mean, there's always gonna be a connection. I mean, obviously, if the population drops by 10%, you're unlikely to see a massive increase in household formation. But household formation has more to do with the economy. And when the economy is good, you see more people living on their own, you see more, you know, maybe possible generational living won't necessarily happen, but when things are bad, when the economy's not good, uh, especially the labor market is much looser than it is right now, you will see people making those decisions. You know, people may be getting a roommate, uh, multi-generations may be choosing to live with each other, whatever it may be. And so I just don't see any other scenario in which the Fed doesn't do that. I mean, it looks like the only way the Fed can get themselves out of this is by loosening the labor market, which means layoffs. It means a recession. And it sucks. I mean, it, it sucks to have to put it that way and say, well, it's probably going to be you know, we're, we need a recession in order to bring back a balance to the housing market. And so, you know, Jerome Powell's not going to say that, but it's in, my, in my opinion, it looks like if you read between the lines, that's what he's telling the market that, you know, this, they've depressed demand with what's happening with mortgage rates, but it's not increasing inventory because people are choosing to rent a lot of these homes instead of putting on the market. And so the one way you need to do that is to decrease rents. So all of a sudden, servicing that loan is now more than you are getting in rent, which will then force those people to sell, adding inventory, and then we can get a more normalized housing market. I mean, listen, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope, I hope this entire analysis is wrong because I don't want to see a recession. I don't want to see people lose their jobs. I don't want to see that. But from from my perspective, I mean, you look at what mortgage rates and I mean, they've depressed demand in housing. Talk to anyone in the real estate business right now. They have depressed demand. We are looking at 20 year lows with regards to mortgage demand, home sales, everything and inventory levels have barely risen. In fact, the latest research from Altos shows sure it was up again, you know, point nine percent two weeks in a row, but we are still at five hundred and fifty seven thousand homes. That's 1.9% lower than 2020 and is 42% lower than 2019. So we are still well below the average, well below. And look what happens with the demand. I mean, we should be seeing a million homes for sale right now. We're seeing 557,000. So that unfortunately is what I believe has to play out in order for there to be a balance in housing and it sucks it does suck all right that's it we're out of time trying to keep the podcast shorter i'm not going to do any more stories uh that's my goal that's my new goal the new and improved markets and mortgages podcast this one i actually went longer my goal is 15 minutes or less it's like what, what was the pizza thing 30 minutes or less I wanna do 15 minutes or less. And unfortunately, we have now gone over 18 minutes. So I have failed, <laughs> but when this was important, when things are important, then tomorrow, my we got Case Shiller, we got FHFA, Home Price Index, we got a Consumer Confidence, we have new home sales. Oh, it's gonna be hard to keep tomorrow's under 15 minutes. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try. That is my goal, but you guys enjoy your Tuesday. It's good to be back. We'll be back tomorrow morning with another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.